What's up, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Quentin Douglas. I'm Jimmy Covington. And we have with us today a very special guest, Mr. Kelly Holcomb. How you doing tonight, Mr. Kelly? I'm good, man. How you guys doing? I don't know if it's very special guest, but yeah, I'm doing good, man. <laughs> well, you're special to us, man. We appreciate you. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you all for having me. Oh, thank yes, you sir, for good. No thank you for being here. Absolutely. Uh, like I told Jimmy, I really uh I couldn't commend him enough for, you know, pulling this through for us. Um we've been doing this podcast for about I don't know, 8 months now. Yeah. And I guess you're really officially our first special guest uh outside so. yeah, outside of Toronto. Right, right, right. I got oh, you. Well, right. hey, I appreciate it. Thank y'all. Yes, Thank sir. You. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, so we don't want to waste any more of your time. So I think Jimmy was going to kind of lead off the first segment. Uh, so I'll let him go ahead and do that. Gotcha. So for our fans who may be unfamiliar with who Mr. Kelly Holcomb is, a former MTSU QB from 91 to 94, uh, spent time, you know, with the Indianapolis Colts, the Browns, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, in the Minnesota in the Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, we played in the early 2000s. You know, had some good times. Played in the playoff game where he put up some impressive numbers. So you know, I'm just excited, just like Quinn, to have him on. And so, and we can go ahead and get started here. So, you know, like I said, back in '91 was when you started playing at MTSU. Played there for for four years, uh, and then after that, you spent time with the Bucks practice squad in '95, right? I did, yeah. I uh, I went down there, and that was kind of my first taste of the NFL. I didn't really understand how it worked. And uh, Sam White was the coach, which uh, I normally used to talk to Sam, you know, probably twice a year. And then he passed away a couple of months ago, so that was uh, that was tough for myself. I didn't realize that Sam was sick. Like I knew he had some health health issues, but uh, it's just sad that that happened. But yeah, I went down to India or uh, to Tampa Bay to begin with, and. Uh, that was kind of my first uh, my first go round with the National Football League, and kind of really understood, you know, from the first first get go, just how much of a business it was. It's uh, it's pretty tough to get in, and you know, I was from a small school, and you know, one of my former teammates was Trent Dilfer, who's now the coach at Lip, uh, Lip, uh, Lipscomb Academy. So, uh, you know, he kind of helped me, you know, with the ropes and and things like that. He hit himself and Casey Weldon. So, uh, I. It wasn't a great time in my life. Uh, you know, I was on a team, I was on the practice squad, but I got t- taken off and on. And, you know, it was just, uh, it was kind of an up and down road for me to begin with, but uh, it kind of taught me the business of the NFL. And uh, I see you also kind of spent time uh, with the Barcelona Dragons of uh, NFL Europe. I did, if I, you know, if, if that's, that's a good point right there because if anything came out of Tampa Bay when I went down there was the Barcelona Dragons. They gave me an opportunity to kind of showcase my skills. And, you know, they were allocating guys uh, back then to NFL Europe teams. It was NFL Europe when I went. Uh, excuse me, I think, was it the was it NFL? Yeah, it was NFL Europe. I think it started out as the World American Football League over there, but NFL Europe started back, and, uh, you know, that was a good thing about me going to Tampa. They sent me over there to get some experience because I hadn't had any experience in pro ball, and that was, um, you know, that was a blessing in the skies right there. I didn't, you know, we stayed over there for three months, and, you know, I just got married, and I took my wife with me, and, uh, you know, 
anybody that doesn't like our country needs to go somewhere else and see how they like it because it's very different. Uh, it was fun. It was fun to go over there, but uh, you know, it was uh, the food's a little different. The people are different. Uh, it was fun to get to play football, and I, I really enjoyed that. I got to see. I got to see some of the world, but that, that was one of the benefits of Tampa Bay that they did send me to the World League and gave me some experience. Uh, and, of course, going back to your time with MTSU, uh, I was looking at kind of the first game you really made a name for yourself. Uh, your freshman year, you had a game against Florida State. Uh, oh, yeah. So just kind of kind of walk us through that game and what that was like for you. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, unfortunately, we had to play the number one team two years in a row. We played Florida State when I was a freshman, then we came back when I was a sophomore, we played Nebraska, and both those teams were number one in the country. So, uh, it was fun getting to go down there. Uh, you know, I think it was, I think it was 21 to 10 at halftime, you know, and I always tell people this, when I went to MTSU, we were one double A back then. And our first 22 was really – we could compete with pretty much anybody. But after you got past that, we didn't have much depth. And they just – I mean, they ran us up and down the field. Uh, you know, we, we went and uh, I think when we played Nebraska the next year, uh, it was 14-7 to 7 at halftime. They came out and thought that they were going to throw the ball on us. And then the second half was when Tommy Frazier came in. I don't know if people know who Tommy Frazier is, but yeah, I think he won the Heisman Trophy. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was his first game against us. In the second half, they ran – they did not throw the ball, not one more time. They just ran it down our throat. And they were not – I mean, it's, it looked like they had like 160 guys on the team. And they didn't just – they didn't just bring fresh – like they didn't just bring a fresh guard in or a fresh tackle. They brought five brand-new offensive linemen in. Our guys out there with their tongues hanging out. It was uh, it was tough, but it was fun getting to go to places like that and play. We played in Hawaii the next year, so um, you know it was fun getting to experience that and getting to go to these big places. And uh, you know, I didn't realize that they were going to be the number one teams when we did it, but uh, you know, they were they were really good, and it was a good experience for us. No doubt. Uh, and of course, going to your Cleveland Brown days, you know, that's really where you spent uh, the meat of your NFL career. Um, of course, when you first got there, um, you, you battled, was it, was it Tim Couch? It was Tim Couch, yes. Right. He was the number one pick, uh, but you beat him out pretty much kind of for the starting job, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I did. I mean, uh, it was, it was kind of a situation where we, we both fell under. Tim, Tim is one of my really good friends. People thought that we didn't like each other because we were competing against each other. Uh, you know, he came in in an expansion year where they're, you know, the, you know, the, obviously the Cleveland Browns picked up and went to Baltimore. And then the Cleveland Browns didn't have a team for a long time. And then they came back. And when you're an expansion team, you don't have really good players a lot of times. And, uh, you know, Tim got beat up his first couple of years because he had nobody blocking for him. Uh, they didn't have the pieces together. And, you know, when I got there, they were starting to get that back. Um, you know, but I was fortunate enough to, to have some things go my way. And, yeah, I ended up we, – we competed for one year, and I ended up, you know, it, it all happened kind of the year before because he got injured a couple of games. And I came in, I played really well. And then, you know, Jimmy was talking about the, you know, the playoff game. I played really well in that. And then after, after you have a game like that, you know, Unless the guy is firmly entrenched as a starting quarterback, you gotta you got kind of gotta let the guys compete, and then Butch Davis let us compete, and 
you know, they gave me the job. So, uh, you know, I was excited about that. But we had – after that playoff game, we had lost so many key guys, which I wish that they wouldn't have done that. You know, they always used the excuse of it was a salary cap issue, and I, I just don't know. I think the guys loved the organization, and we had something really going. If we'd have kept that team together and we would have put some more pieces in place, we could have done some things for a little while, and I, you know, I might have could have started for a few more years. And it, it was just after that, after that playoff game, man, things kind of went downhill. And I see for next couple of years, you spent some time in Buffalo, and then you finished that up by finishing your career in Minnesota. So you know, can you just talk about you know those last you know three or four years of your career, and you know how you know it helped you going forward. Even, you know, going into your coaching career, did they have anything to do with going into coaching? Well, I um, – yeah, my last couple of years, I, I love Buffalo. Buffalo's a great place. It's just cold. You know, Minnesota's really cold. Uh, you know, I had one of my coaches say, if you were going to go anywhere else, you were about to go to Canada, you know, because <laughs> I kept going north and north and north and then I went to Minnesota. But, uh, you know, I really like Buffalo. Uh, the guy that brought me there was Mike Malarkey. Uh, you know, he was obviously the coach down here with the Titans, but Mike brought me to Buffalo, and then, you know, I spent a year there, and then Mike left, and, and you know, it's just kind of how things were. It seems like when you look back on your career, I think if Mike could have stayed there and we'd have gotten some more pieces, you know, I maybe could have stayed there and played for a little while, but Mike uh, Mike didn't see eye to eye with the, uh, with the ownership, and, you know, I think that they asked him to do some things that he didn't want to do, and Mike's kind of a loyal guy, and he decided not to do it. So then, you know, I, I ended up going to – I actually ended up getting getting traded to Philadelphia, and I spent I spent a training camp there, and then they ended up drafting a guy that they didn't think they were going to be able to get. So when they did that, I was like, good gracious. So they ended up trading me to Minnesota at the uh, – kind of towards the end of training camp. And then that's how I went to Minnesota. And I could have played some more years, but I just – I got to the point where – you know, it was kind of – I was kind of dreading things. And, you know, I, I feel like I could have squeezed about two or three more years out. I got to play with Adrian Peterson when he was a rookie. He was really good. You know, he was a really good back. And, uh, you know, I met some good people up there. But, you know, after after I – you know, after I left there and I had some opportunities, I figured they weren't going to bring me back. But I had some opportunities to go to some other places. But I was kind of just – felt like I was done at that point. Uh, you know, when – you know, talking about the coaching aspect, I really didn't want to coach, to be honest with you. I, I didn't I didn't want to get into that. I'm, I'm really good with young kids, and I, I, I got into what I'm doing now as coaching high school. I really got into that because I wanted to be around and mentor young kids. I didn't do it because of football, but that gives me an avenue to do it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, because I, I do have some knowledge about the game, and, and I like being around kids, and I think I could have a positive impact. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to coach in college because they, you know, they have to recruit and do all that. Uh, I've got a buddy that wants me to come to the NFL at some point. I don't know. You know, I had an opportunity to go do that with Bruce Arians about three years ago in Arizona. And, you know, I wanted to watch my kids grow up because when you become a coach, man, it's, you know, when you go to the NFL, it's coaching all, all the time. Uh, you never really get a break. So I don't know. I've been fortunate enough to see my kids grow up. I've got my two girls, my two oldest girls are in college, and my son is a junior in high school. So 
I've uh, I've been fortunate and blessed that I've been able to stay at home and watch them grow up. So that's kind of – but the coaching thing just happened because I thought – I think kids, and I still think kids, need positive role models in their life right now. And, and you know, the, with all the single-parent single, single parent homes right now, uh, you know, that's kind of why I did it. It's not really because of football. It's because – I wanted to be a positive influence on these young men. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Uh, and of course, while you're talking about coaching, uh, Jimmy told me that you all are in the playoffs right now. Um, yeah, we are. So. We uh, yeah, we we've had a pretty good year. It's uh, we win the quarterfinals. We got to play our arch nemesis Friday night, which is <laughs> which is Oakland. So we we hadn't been very successful against them in the last couple. Well, it's been a while now. So. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, my son's back. He wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't play the first game because he broke his finger and he had to have uh, pins put in his finger. But uh, he's back now, so we'll see what happens Friday night. Big game. Yeah. All right. Well, we definitely wish you luck. Oh, yeah, I'm rooting for y'all. I might. I might actually be in. I might actually be in that game if I could be there. I might actually be there. Well, come on. But I do. I do have one. I have. A, I have a question. So you know, when you think about the way the quarterback position was played, you know, in the mid early two thousands, when you played most of your career, and think about now, what what are some of the key difference quarterbacks then versus quarterbacks now? I mean, quarterbacks now run. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, that was that was not my game. My get my game was my arm talent and my my mind. I mean, I. You know, when I was in college, um, you know, it was a different day and age. I mean, when I was in high school, you saw an odd front and you saw cover three. In college, it was kind of the same things. And now, you know, all that stuff is bled down into high school. Like, the pro stuff bleeds down in college and the college stuff bleeds down in high school. Uh, but I didn't really see all that stuff. And when I went to college, I didn't – you know, my, co- my college coach, he's like my dad. I, I had lunch with him the other day, but he was – you know, he was talking about how I didn't really watch film. and. He's right because my ability, I just understood the game. You know, at some point of the game, you have to learn how to watch film. You have to learn the in, ins and outs of, of being a good quarterback. But, you know, these guys nowadays, they're so athletic, you know, and, and my, my college coach always said, you can be too good of an athlete and not be a very good quarterback. And, you know, I still hold true to that. I mean, you look at the Lamar Jackson, of course, he's, he's a different type dude. I mean, you know, I just – I just, these guys nowadays that runs running the pros like Lamar Jackson. I mean, hey, that's what he does. But at some point, I mean, he's going to get hurt doing it, you know. And I, I just think that the quarterback position is too is too key. And at some point, you got to learn. Like Ben Roethlisberger did it when he was when he was younger. I mean, he didn't understand stuff. I don't think, but he was gifted where he could move around. And now he doesn't move at all. He doesn't run. He doesn't. Move, mm-hmm. But he's learned how to play the game inside the pocket. And at some point. All these guys that have that are ultra talented and athletic, you have to sit down. You have to learn the game. You have to learn how to throw from the pocket. And I think, I think Russell Wilson is a great example of that because I don't think Russell he's a great runner, but he's a thrower first, mm-hmm. and he takes advantage of the situations when he's able to run. So, the difference between now and then is is the athleticism of the quarterbacks. I, I just I, I I'm glad that I played when I did. My son's more athletic than I am. He can run. He doesn't like to run. He, you know, he's not very big right now. But uh, I, I was not that guy. I mean, I was going to, you know, my old coach in Indianapolis, would, he, he would always say, one, two, three, and throw it in the stands. And that's how I was. I was one, two, three, throw it away. 
you know, and I had to, I had to change protections. Uh, if I had to run, I was probably going to throw the ball away because, you know, we had a defensive lineman in Courtney Brown. I don't know if y'all remember who Courtney Brown was, but he was a number, yeah, he was a number one overall pick at Penn State. Mm-hmm. And he's a defensive tackle, and that dude ran a 4 6 40. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't run that. And I'm, I, I mean, he's 50 pounds heavier than I was. You know what I'm saying? You didn't want any parts of it. No, I wanted no parts of that. So those guys are just so athletic, and the defensive lineman can run. It's just crazy. So I, I was. Yeah. I always beat people with my arm and my mind. No doubt. Uh, and, of course, tra- while we're talking about current quarterbacks, um, at this point we're uh, heading into week 11 of this NFL season. Uh, so just kind of what's your opinion on the current MVP race? Uh, do you maybe have a top five or so guys maybe right now? Uh, I mean, you know, you got to put uh... – well, I'm just thinking of quarterback. I think you got to put Russell Wilson up there. He's just kind of unbelievable to me. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes. I, I'm a big uh, – I think that if – you know, me, Jameson and I were talking – my son was talking about it last night. I think if, if Aaron Rodgers had a defense – if he if he would have had a defense around him, he should have had three or four Super Bowls by now. Oh, yeah. He's, no he's, uh, he's ultra talented, man. I mean, I, I just – like you marvel at the guy out of throwing, and his footwork is not very good, but he's just got such great arm talent, such great arm strength. Uh, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous, man. It really is. I, I think, you know, and I, I know that he's had a couple of, uh, you know, not good games the last couple of weeks, but I mean, you look at the only undefeated team, and I think you got to look at Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, he's playing, mm-hmm. he's playing really well. Uh, you know, he's throwing the ball good. So, you know, those are probably the you know the four guys. Derek Carr's Derek Carr's playing really good out in Las Vegas. I mean, you know, nobody's. I mean, he's quietly going about his business and winning games. You know, right, I don't yeah. know if he's an MVP candidate, but you know, he's he's doing well. So you know, there's all you know when you get to that league and when you're a starting quarterback, you're pretty good. And I know about that. I know with guys like Derek Carr, like you said, he he really doesn't get the praise that he deserves because he's a he's a great quarterback and he does what John Gruden asked him to do. That's the thing, and he does it at a high level. You know, you got a lot of guys to put up these big numbers, uh, but you know, that's not always needed. And I think you know sometimes you know people think of Derek Carr as a game manager, uh, but I've grown to learn, and I'm sure Quinn has too, that being a game manager should not you know, come with a negative connotation. Uh, being able to manage the game is something that's hard to do in the NFL. Well, I'm, asking, I'm glad I'm, – Jimmy, I'm glad you said that, man, because I have point. a problem. Yeah. I have problems when people say, well, he's a game manager. What the, What does that mean? Every quarterback <laughs> is a game manager. <laughs> I mean, good guy. I guess, I used, you know, that's what I was known for, a game manager. Well, that's I feel like that's a compliment to me. But, like, when you get noticed as a game manager, they're talking about, well, you can't – make plays. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with anything. Any quarterback is a game manager. I mean, you look at Tom Brady, he's the ultimate game manager. I mean, he gets the ball, he gets the ball to the right people. (laughs) He doesn't turn the ball over. You know, he gets you in the right plays. And when the game's on the line, he puts the ball where it's supposed to be. And that's what a game man, I just, I get so irritated with that game manager deal. That's what a quarterback's job is to manage the game. And I think exactly. you know, and I think fans have been kind of spoiled seeing guys like Pat Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and, and Russ slinging around, but that's what the coaches are asking them, asking them to do. And you've seen it, I, you know, we've all seen it with Patrick Mahomes this year. 
you know, the, the yards per – he might not throw for 400 yards a game, uh, but I see – I've seen some, even some improvement where he's getting to first, second, third progressions. And, you know, he's getting five or six yards. He's get really taking mm-hmm. what the defense gives him. And I think, you know, he's kind of – he's gotten better, you know, and it's kind of scary considering how good he already was to begin with. No, exactly. he's, a, he's, a, he's ultra talented, man. And he, he, he's one of those guys that is a throw first and he'll run when you give him the opportunity. But I don't know if y'all, if y'all heard about this, but like a couple of years ago, he talked about he, he didn't know how to read a defense until like last year. Yeah. You know, I so that, that. That, just, that just, you know, at some point <laughs> you got to sit down, you have to learn the game. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, he's, he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL right now because you have to learn the game. You got there with talent. But, you know, when, you're, when your skills start diminishing, like you look at Drew Brees and you look at, you look at Tom Brady, those guys are the ultimate in understanding the game. And their mm-hmm. skills are – I mean, they're just getting older, man. Their skills are diminishing. But they can still win games because they understand the game and they understand that, hey, I don't have the same arm that I had a long time ago. But if I'm accurate with the ball and if I throw it on time, I win games. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought up Drew Brees, too, because people call him a game manager because he can't really – well, he doesn't throw the ball downfield that much. Uh, but he is effective at what he does. And, I mean, he easily completes more than 70% of his passes every season. Uh, but I do have to ask you about it uh, since you mentioned him. Of course, you play a little bit under Coach Bruce Arians. Um, and now, of course, him and Tom Brady are together in Tampa Bay. Uh, so what do you think about that pairing? Uh, I, I hope that, uh, you know, me personally hopes that Brady can bring Bruce a Super Bowl. Now, Bruce has been to the Super Bowl with the Steelers. I think he won two. Uh, you know, my old offensive coordinator when I was in Indianapolis is there with him, Tom Moore. Uh, you know, he's got a super – he's got a couple of Super Bowls way back with the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the 70s, and then he won one at Indianapolis. So I want Bruce to win a Super Bowl as a head coach. Uh, I don't know if they can do that this year. I mean, I think they got an opportunity. I don't know. They, they got to play better than they did against the Saints. Now, the Saints are really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I now I know that Drew Brees is kind of – he's out right now, and he, he broke his ribs, and I think he got a collapsed lung too. So mm-hmm, It's pretty bad. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, but I, I – uh, I hadn't talked to Bruce during the season. I talked to him before the year. Um, you know, Bruce is kind of a mad science. He's got Byron called Byron Leftwich calling his plays for him. So, you know, they're, they're getting things ironed out. Uh, you know, it takes some time when, when you got a guy that spent 20 years in one organization and then he goes to another place and it's, it's just totally different about, you know, I'm sure, you know, they had to get used to Tom, but Tom obviously had to get used to Bruce and the way he does things with right. – you know, he's, he's going from a guy in Bill Belichick who's really organized. I'm sure Bruce is the same way, but it's still different. You know, it's still different. And, and you know, he's got to get accustomed to, you know, throwing to those receivers, you know, the protections that are different, you know, the terminology is probably different. So there's, there's a phase, there's, there's things in there that you got to learn about each other. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pulling for him because, you know, I've got a bunch of, you know, Todd Bowles was with me. Mike Caldwell's their linebacker coach. He was one of my college teammates. Tom Moore's there. Bruce is there. Uh, you know, I've got so many people that are on that staff that I know personally that, you know, are good friends of mine. And I want them to win a Super Bowl. I really do. 
Well, I think they definitely have a great chance, especially with the Super Bowls being hosted in Tampa Bay this year. So that'll be a pretty good feat for Tom Brady if he can pull that off and get a seventh ring. So, uh, Yeah, I think that's kind of why he left, too. I mean, I think he got tired of everybody talking about, you know, he couldn't do it without Bill Belichick. And I think exactly. that he wants to show everybody that he, you know, he's got the ability to do that. Now, whether he will, I don't know. But you know, I think that's one of the key deals where, you know, I think that that was in the back of his mind why he left the New England Patriots because, you know, he'd already won six. He's been to nine. And I think he, you know, he, he gets tired of hearing, hey, if neither one of those guys had each other, they wouldn't have done what they've done. And I, I want, you know, I think he probably said, well, I want to go somewhere and show people that I can do it myself without him, you know. So we'll see what happens. I wish him well. I hope they win. Okay. And I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, you know, about saying either one of them can win without the other. Because I've always kind of hated that saying because, you know, a quarterback and a coach works hand in hand. And it's kind of hard to win. You know, you know, I heard Bill Belichick say, I want to think last year, uh, great players can, you know, can have a basically, you know, have a letdown season where, you know, being led by like, a, you know, a bad or an average coach. You know, it's kind of like vice versa. You can have a great coach, but you can have a terrible quarterback, and they can kind of handle your success. So I think it kind of works hand-in-hand. And I don't understand why a lot of people, you know, try to trying to separate the two. Because I think, you know, it was a perfect relationship, and that's why they were so successful for so long. That's correct. There's a lot of things that have to go, uh, have to go right for you to be in the situation that they had for a long time. But if you look at that league – if you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to win any games, no. you know. So that's what separates that league from, you know, in high school you can get away with, you know, maybe not having a guy, you know. I still think it's really important in high school, but you can kind of get away with it. And you have to have a good guy behind center because he has to be able to manage the game and make good decisions. And, you know, hey, a coach and a quarterback are part of the deal. I mean, they both make each other, you know, and, and you know, I I, uh, I get irritated with people about that too. But uh, you know, that's that's newspapers, and that's you know, everybody's trying to stir things up. You know, it all falls together. I mean, you you, ha you have to have a guy at the helm under center that can manage a game, that can when, when things break down, that he can make smart decisions with the football and not turn it over. No doubt. And I have to ask you, of course, uh, growing up. And being a quarterback, who did you yourself model your game after or look up to? Well, this is uh, this is really funny, but y'all won't even know who this is. You might. I, I, yeah, I'm sure you probably will. But I, you know what? When I was growing up, uh, there wasn't there wasn't all these games on TV. But I was a huge Phil Sims fan. Phil Sims. I like Phil Sims. I don't know why. I mean, I, I can't. And you know what? I got Phil when I was with the Indianapolis Colts. I got Phil to autograph a ball for me. And he went to Moorhead State. I went to Middle. And he was, uh, you know, that was, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I like watching Joe Montana, obviously. He was the greatest mm -hmm. playing back then. But I always admired, like, Phil Sims was tough. You know, he was uh, he was smart. Uh, he never got recognized for a lot of things, but you know, he just won football games. And mm -hmm. you know, he played he played under a very hard coach and Bill Parcells. And uh, I just I always admired Phil Stamps. 
I think that was a great guy to look up to. He's definitely one of the more underrated quarterbacks to me in NFL history. So That's right. Now, I don't know if he still holds the record for the highest completion percentage in a Super Bowl or not, but I know he only missed like two passes hmm. uh, in one that, Super Bowl, and that was – yeah, that was pretty big. So he was uh, – I don't know why, man, but I was, I, I was just uh, – I admired him very much. I liked him. Now, they won two together, didn't they? They did, yeah. Uh, he, okay. he was uh, – the one year that they won it, uh, Jeff Rutledge was the quarterback because Phil Sims got hurt before the playoffs. Oh, okay. So, okay. I think I think he's – I think Jeff Rutledge was the one that took him to the Super Bowl and they actually won uh, with him. Okay. I think that was all the questions I have for you, Mr. Kelly. Uh, Jimmy, did you have anything else? Uh no I didn't well, I do appreciate you for you know for tuning in with us uh, like I said thank you you know you didn't have to give us your time but you did and we really appreciate you guys I appreciate it man no problem man anytime y'all just call me back anytime That's yes sir yes sir thanks again man thank all you. right fellas talk to you all right talk, all right, to, talk you. to you later again that was Mr Kelly Holcomb former NFL quarterback and former MTSU Blue Raider of course. Him and Jimmy got that Blue Raider connection going. Uh, yeah. So, like I said before, I definitely appreciate you, bro, for getting that getting that together for the show. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, now – oh, you go ahead, my bad. Oh, yeah. Shout out to my cousin, Xavier. You know, he plugged us in. They play flag football together. I've actually seen them play. I interviewed Kelly a couple years ago. So, shout out to my cousin, Xavier, for plugging still, us in. He still man. can sling it. Can he? <laughs> he maneuver he maneuver in the pocket like a wizard. Okay. But man, we're gonna transition to the last segment of the show. Of course, the NBA, a lot of big things have been going on. Perhaps the biggest that has happened so far. CP3 was traded to the Phoenix Suns for a package including Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio a few other players, as well as some uh, package draft picks. So, Jimmy, what was your thoughts on the trade? I remember we spoke on it a week before. I said I wouldn't do it. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, that it was probably going to include, you know, Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and possibly the first-round pick. I thought it might include this year's first-round pick, uh, but it didn't. It's next year's first-round pick. But, I mean, CP3 brings leadership. Uh, extremely high basketball IQ. They call him the point god for a reason, you know, and he's still playing, you know, the position at a high level. And, you know, he, he's finally, you know, finally putting another high-level guard, you know, alongside Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden and Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. Uh, so, you know, that team's going to contend for a playoff spot. If I'm not mistaken, the NBA has expanded the playoffs this season to 2010, to 10 teams in each conference. Oh, well, it's, got, it's a play-in tournament, but, yeah, okay. pretty much. Okay, so, you know, obviously they'll compete for one of those playoff spots, and I hope they get in because Phoenix has been in a 10-year drop. Yeah, uh, I'm right with you. Like I said, I thought it would be a good trade. Um, you know, I think Phoenix was in a position where you got a star player, a young star player, and D-Book who probably hadn't even hit his prime yet. And, I mean, he can easily drop 40, 50 on any given night at any point. Uh, but if you don't remember, he actually said in 2018 at the end of the season that that was his last time not making the playoffs. Uh, and, of course, 
they came close this year, but unfortunately still didn't make it. So I felt that the the Suns felt that their backs were against the wall and they had to be as aggressive as possible uh, in trying to keep deep book in town. And I think him and CP3 make a great pairing together. I mean, we both know uh, what CP3 brings to the table, probably second or third best point guard of all time, depending on what your preference is. Uh, I mean, people thought he lost a step last year, counted him out just because he had that inflated contract. Uh, but, I mean, he showed us just exactly what he could still bring to the table, even at this point in his career. Uh, I mean, he's a locker room presence both on and off the court. He showed that he can play off the ball. And I think that's going to be something big for D-Book, too, because he won't have to completely sacrifice giving up the ball to someone else, while also it lightens his load because he has someone else that can play make for him. Uh, so I definitely think it's a big step for D-Book. Um, of course, they still got DeAndre Aiden, who's definitely probably going to be a future all-star. Uh, he started – exactly. He even started – hey, he can shoot threes now. He he sprayed his game out a little bit. Uh, and you mentioned Mikhail Bridges, one of the best young defenders in the NBA. I feel his offense doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, he can shoot for sure. Um, and he's a pit bull, no doubt. And you got Cam Johnson, who's a young shooter. They just drafted last year. He's still coming into his own. And the Suns still have 20 plus million in cap space. Uh, so they definitely probably aren't finished in the market this offseason. So I expect them to make some more moves. But depending on what they do, I could see the Suns being a top five seed because this roster to me is better than the one CP3 had in OKC. And they also, you know, they're on the clock right now with the 10th pick in the, in the NBA draft. So we'll see what they do with that pick, too. Well, that was ironic. <laughs> yep. Also, I saw my Bulls drafted Patrick Williams, and I don't know how I feel about that right now. <laughs> Has Killing and Hayes got drafted yet? No, I didn't see him get drafted. You know what? I think, and I honestly believe he may be the best player in this draft when it's all said and done. Yeah, I told you when you you pointed him out to me last time, and I think he's smooth. I I see a little bit of D'Angelo Russell in this game, uh, or even Manu Ginobili. Uh, if he can if he can truly reach his ceiling, that could be the type of player we see him become. Cause I mean, he could play make, uh, get to the hole. So uh, he has in correction, he has been drafted. He got drafted seventh by Detroit. Okay, okay. That's a good spot. And they still got D Rose, of course. So. And Phoenix and just think... took Phoenix just took Jalen Smith, a six ten power forward at the University of Maryland. And you know what? That's what they needed, a power forward. So that's perfect. You know, I'm surprised Denny of D is still on the board. Oh yeah. No, but he got drafted. He got, he, got, he got drafted Did ninth. Oh, he won ninth. Okay, okay, okay. Now, Jalen Smith, uh, 6'10", 225, a seven-foot-two wingspan, shot 37% from three last year, 75% from the free throw line. That's a real good pick. So, he's an effective shot blocker, too, so can do it on both ends, further adding 
you know, to what they can do. So I think the Suns are going to be, you know, an exciting team to watch next season. No doubt. They just got to fill out their bench now, really. And, I mean, they got they got a backup center already. They still got Aaron Baines. Yep. Uh, and they, so yep. If they just get some more wing depth, maybe another guard or so, they'll be good to go. Uh, and, of course, last but not least, our special Give Him His Roses segment. So, Jimmy, this week, who are you giving your roses to? Showing love to some defense this week. I got an undersized okay. linebacker. Undersized linebacker. Not much taller than me, actually. Uh, London <laughs> Fletcher. Standing at 5'10", 242 pounds. Uh, London Fletcher is the definition of underrated. Uh, was undrafted out of John Carroll University back in 1998. Won a Super Bowl in year two uh, with the 99-2000 Rams, the greatest show on turf. Uh, played in 256 games. He started in 240 of them. Had over 2,000 career tackles, 92 pass deflections, 23 interceptions, 24 fumbles, 39 sacks. He was a four-time Pro Bowler. But get this, though. He made all four of his Pro Bowls from ages 34 to age 37. So at 34, he didn't make his first Pro Bowl until 2009. He got drafted in 98. He didn't make his he didn't make his first all pro selection to age thirty six and twenty. I guess I well, I knew he was old, but I guess it's just not really hitting me that the, he was that old. Cause I he remember made, London Fletcher being cold. Yep, he made his first two all pros in 2011, 2012 at ages thirty-six and thirty-seven. Man. So London He was up there. <laughs> and I, you know, I you know, London Fletcher should be in the Hall of Fame. And I think, you know, he might not be in the Hall of Fame because if he only he only has four Pro Bowl selections, they might be, you know, hindering the process. But he has over 2,000 tackles, though. <laughs> I think he should be in there. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, like, like, like we've mentioned, you know, we know, you know how the Hall of Fame is. Unfortunately, man. But I think that was a good pick. I like the route of going defense this week, switching it up. Uh, but – I'm I'm staying on offense. I'm going with the receiver we may all be familiar with, but in my book, I think he's underrated. Uh, and I'm going with Hines Ward. Uh, of course, he played Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he got two rings with them. Uh, he actually was Super Bowl MVP for one of those games. Um, four-time Pro Bowler. He was three-time All-Pro selection. Um, and, of course, even in college, he was called to actually at Georgia at the time when he finished, he was second in all-purpose yards behind only Herschel Walker. But I think that may have been passed since then, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but at the time, definitely a big accomplishment. Uh, but like I said, he played for the Steelers. He finished his career with exactly 1,000 receptions. Uh, he had 12,083 receiving yards along with 85 receiving touchdowns. Uh, he was lethal, especially in the slot. Uh, he was a returner. I mean, he was a do-it-all guy. He was an iron man. He rarely ever missed any games, and he played for 11 seasons. I think I counted on one hand how many game, games he missed. Uh, he was just that kind of dude. I mean, he really embodied – you know, that Pittsburgh Steeler, like tough, hard nose, physical, uh, just at your, at your throat kind of guy. 
Um, and like I said, I just think he's one of the more underrated receivers because he's another guy who's not in the uh, Hall of Fame. And actually, I didn't know till I was just looking him up. He's an offensive assistant with the New York Jets. I didn't know that either. Uh, one I didn't thing realize. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. I didn't realize all these old receivers were hiding on coaching staffs because, you know, we got Wes Welker. <laughs> yeah, he, he helps with our receivers. <laughs> I did know that. I did know that. I'm, I'm, I don't know what's going on, but I did know that. <laughs> One thing I do remember with Hans Ward, Hans Ward did a lot of the dirty work, too, in addition to being a number one receiver. So I do admire that about him, too. He was a great blocker, too. I'm telling you, I mean, literally did it all. It was no weakness in his game. I know it wasn't a dude I wouldn't have wanted to match up with as a DB. <laughs> nah, it's too much Especially work. Especially a little small corner. Nah, it's too, it's too much work. Nah, if he's just throwing the ball, catching passes, okay, let's go. But if he's blocking to the home, I don't need all that. Nah, because he wasn't no little dude either. He was bulky. But... Did you have anything else to add, man? Uh, nope. It's been a great show. Uh, we're looking no, forward to having looking forward to having more guests. Uh, we have a special guest coming. Uh, a Super Bowl champ. He should be on the show very soon. Uh, just kind of wait to see how this uh, Tennessee football playoffs pan out. So we're trying to give him a little time here. So. We'll let y'all, you know, we'll be giving y'all some updates going soon on when you could potentially see a, a member of the 2000 Ravens. Mm-hmm. Y'all definitely stay plugged in. We we got some big things coming. Uh, so, so definitely stay tuned in. Of course, have our social medias. We're on Facebook, Twitter, which everybody seems to be hopping on now with the stories available. <laughs> Uh, we're on Instagram. We also have our YouTube uh, page. Uh, you can still pretty much find us on every uh, podcast platform where you can find podcasts. Uh, and once again, I thank you all for continuing to support us. Uh, and like Jimmy said, this was probably one of my favorite episodes so far. Uh, so did you have anything else to add, bro? Uh, nope. Just want to say thank y'all. All right. Well, that'll do it. Episode 34 in the books. I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. And I'm Jimmy Covington. All right. We out. Deuces. Thank you. Thank you.